So we called bank after bank after bank after bank, and they basically all told us the same thing. Your tax returns suck, and the, and the property is no good, and there's, there was just no, no bank would touch it. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from sunny California. Here on the show, we talk about real estate with real estate professionals and hear their amazing story. Um, not only to enjoy a good story, but also to learn about real estate through their experiences. Today, we have Ryan Gibson on the show. Ryan is the co-founder of Spartan Investment Group, and he specializes in development of residential and self-storage projects. He connects individual investors to real estate investments and provide direct oversight of the projects. Ryan has also self-directs his own retirement account with other real estate developers in markets across the United States. Hey, Ryan, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, I I actually met Ryan about a year ago at a conference, and um, his stories are remarkable. The the businesses he's in, the development is, uh, as we said earlier, it's this business is very interesting, and uh, he also has a great story to share today. So, Ryan, why don't we start? Um, if you can give our listeners kind of a little bit of a background about who you are and and what you do. Yeah, sure. So, Ryan Gibson, thanks thanks so much for the introduction. Um, I uh, am with a group called Spartan Investment Group. I'm the co-founder and now chief investment officer of the company. So, my role is to uh, raise capital uh, for our company. And then I also, I have uh, oversight in operations and some of our facilities and also, um, you know, kind of hand, have a hand in the development and kind of anything that's required of me as uh, one of the executives of the company. And um, a little bit about my background. Um, I am a, a airline pilot as well oh, um, wow. that I've, uh, yeah. So I've kind of do that on the, on the side. And, um, I, uh, we've done projects ranging from, you know, everything from, you know, just uh, single family homes, uh, rehabs to building condo buildings, to building self storage, uh, buying existing self storage. Um, we've done a little bit in RV parks, um, as well, where we bought an RV park and have operated that. And we've, we're operating, I think in five States now, um, one of those States is Washington, DC. Um, so we, uh, we're kind of all over the place. We're in Texas, Colorado, Washington, we have projects in Michigan and Washington, DC. And so we are kind of a nationwide outfit that looks for good opportunities in high growth markets. So, uh, we're essentially targeting, um, assets that have a value add or opportunistic potential. So to kind of break it down at, you know, an, an asset that is 
maybe cash flowing from day one that we can increase the size through development or operational expansion or through operational improvement or more opportunistic, which is um, taking over a distressed asset and turning it around operationally, which I'll talk about today. Uh, one of the things that we did um, to a, you know, just kind of turn around a distressed asset. And then and some of the challenges there, and then also uh, ground up development of uh, self-storage mm-hmm. and other uh, projects. So it's a little bit about me. All right. Interesting. Uh, where do you live today? So I'm in Seattle, Washington, north of downtown. So we, uh, my wife and I, we have a, we have a daughter uh, who's 18 months. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, we're both in the real estate industry. Um, Jackie actually is in charge of our operations and asset management. So she does all of our hiring and RFPs and facility takeovers and logistics. Uh, she has a really strong background in the hospitality industry, specifically working for Hilton Worldwide as a project manager and also uh, running uh, Marriott Hotels uh, for a period of time. So kind of great to have her on the uh, on the team. Yeah, sounds sounds great. Yeah, we also have team members in the Colorado area, in the Denver uh, kind of De- Denver area, metro area. Um, Scott's our CEO. He does um, a lot of our development. And um, Lindsay is our uh, business intelligence director who does all of our feasibility studies. So basically determining if we should do the deal or not um, based on market demand, population, demographics, Mm -hmm. uh, median income, things like that. And then Ben Lapidus is also in Colorado. He does all of our acquisitions. So he goes out and finds our projects for us. And he also does our finance. So we have a really good kind of uh, well-rounded team of folks at Spartan that, um, you know, kind of trigger these projects and then um, hire the many people that complete our construction, do our operations management, things like that. So, Well, sounds like you have a great and a strong team. And that's very important when it comes to to real estate. Um, And, you know, the story that you're going to tell today is... um, is is a is a story of of a great challenge that you that you overcame. So let's dive right into the story. Um, if you can give us a little bit of a background of what year are we right now? Um, where are you? What what do you do? Uh, just kind of you know kind of start laying the the background for the story. Well, the, yeah, the story is about a a uh, opportunity that we purchased that was a completely distressed asset. And um, and kind of the struggle of getting people on board with with convincing them that a they should invest in this project and b um, we're able to take this project and turn it around and give a great return and you know and also having the confidence in yourself and in your team to to do the project and to know that you're going to overcome it and I think in real estate you know you read a lot of books and they say that you can do real estate with other people's money and other people's financing and things like that. And it's really hard to kind of envision that you can actually do that. And I think this story really struck home with me, uh, particularly because um, the asset, you know, was a, was an RV park in West Texas. This is the year 2018. We're talking right now in 18. So this is about maybe five months ago. And it was a property that had an, absolute ton of potential but the tax returns on the property showed that it was a pretty distressed asset and that it wasn't being operated correctly 
and the um, um, the revenue wasn't there to kind of justify the loan. It wasn't there to just you know the the, the assets in the middle of nowhere, kind of in a in a in a different kind of area, and also uh, we had no specialty in operating RV parks, so we kind of had everything going against us. How did you find this opportunity? Yeah, so Ben Ben was looking at uh, a portfolio of projects, a portfolio of uh, self storage in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, that deal didn't work out. And the broker really enjoyed working with us, and he just kind of referred us to this project. He said, "Hey, I've got a I've got an off market RV park in West Texas. Are you interested?" And our first reaction was, "No, not really." <laughs> um, but let's take a look. It was operating at the time. It was kind of marketed as a seventeen percent cap rate, which was incredibly attractive to us wow. in this market where we're fighting for you know seven caps and six caps in some places. And we wanted to learn more, so we you know we kind of dug into the rent roll and kind of dug into the opportunity, and you know, Ben brought the the project forward to the team and we kind of all had the same reaction, but, you know, he kind of said, Hey, wait, there's, you know, let's, let's take a look at this. It's actually kind of interesting. Um, you know, the rents are, are what they are and, you know, the opportunity is here and oh, by the way, there's a ton of demand and the park is being grossly mismanaged at this time. So, uh, we flew down there and, and took a look at everything and we mystery shopped, uh, 14 different RV parks in the area and, and found that they all had wait lists with rents increasing rapidly. And the area was was absolutely booming. We decided, hey, this is something that we want to do. So it took, you know, for me, it took an incredible amount of convincing um, uh, and kind of uh, mindset shift with my investors. Um, just to kind of give you a little background, you know, we had done a lot of syndication and capital raising in Washington, D.C., which is a which is a premier market, building high high end luxury condos, beautiful buildings, um, you know, you know, plenty of buyers, uh, kind of low risk or you know, low, not as riskier as a, of a project. So when all of a sudden I was talking about, you know, this middle of nowhere park, uh, people thought I was a little nuts. So <laughs> we, um, so raising the capital for it was was a very big struggle. And um, there was, we were competing with an all-cash offer for the property, and we had to, uh, we had to overcome that. Uh, we had to overcome the fact that there was no, the tax returns were bad, and that the property was owned by five brothers who were just fighting each other. Uh, you know, one wanted to keep it, one wanted to sell it, one wanted to, you know, one was doing everything, one wasn't doing everything. Everybody was just completely angry at each other and just wanted this thing gone. So with RV parks, typically you get a lot of seller financing where the previous owners of the park will give you the note um, and the financing so you can um, you know, get the, get the property loan. But they wanted nothing to do with that. They wanted out. They didn't want anything to do with the park anymore. So they, and, and with the cash offer floating around, you know, we ran our numbers and we were going to do our syndication based on raising a million dollars equity and then lending the rest, which was going to be roughly a million dollars, million dollar loan. So we called bank after bank after bank after bank, and they basically all told us the same thing, which is completely reasonable. Your tax returns suck, and the and the property is no good, and there's there you, you can't lend on it. And yeah, right. We love your story about this being an opportunity, um, you know, to to you know operate this at a 20 plus now cap because you know rates were rates were rising, rental rates were rising for the park, but there was just no no bank would touch it. When you said that the tax returns were were bad, what exactly do you mean? When you look at a property, um, 
and you and you wanted to make a decision on buying it based on its marketed cap rate, we always look for a few things. We look for the rent roll, so that's just who's in the facility right now and renting the units. We look for uh, bank statements and books, so we kind of match, you know, with what the property is doing. You know, okay, you say this property made X amount, so X amount should be going into a bank account. And then also we want to see what you've reported on your tax return for the property and what it's produced in income. So a lot of times banks will want to see what the property, what the historical performance of the property is. And that's reflected in your tax return. It'll tell you in the tax return what your net operating income was for that asset. So, you know, if you're asking for a million dollar loan, there has to be enough revenue, enough profit and the tax return for the bank to look at your asset and say, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a loan on that asset, that it's a good asset, it's performing. And I can be reasonably assured that you can make your loan payments for a million dollar loan. And um, in the year 2016, that was the only tax return we really had. That was the year the father of all the brothers passed away. The facility went through four different managers. Um, you know, there was a huge kind of break in operations and the place really just had a lot of things go wrong. And that was the only tax return really had to give to the bank. And the, the net operating income on that tax return was so significantly lower. I mean, I'm talking 10 times lower than what we have, um, you know, what the park is operating at now. I mean, we make more, oh, wow. we make just as much NOI in one month now than that tax return had for the entire year. So if you can imagine, you know, when we're coming in here with this great story to the bank, and then that's actually, it was a story that was almost too good to be true. Um, you know, you may, if you imagine a, a property that, you know, can, can operate at a 20 plus cap, you know, people are just like, yeah, that sounds too good to be true. And guess what? Your tax returns tell a completely different story. Yeah, we're not interested. So we struggled and we struggled and we struggled. And finally, we found a hard money lender, uh, a, a, uh, you know, a, a bridge money lender who's going to give us a high interest rate bridge loan. Um, to buy the property and we thought we had it all arranged and, and they said that they were men of their word and they were, you know, they, when they decide to do a deal, they, they stick with it and there's no reason to back out and all the, all the typical things you hear from, from lenders sometimes. And yeah. three days before closing, they pulled the plug on us. Oh my God. So at that, at that time we were, <laughs> Uh, getting ready to close, the investors were excited, and the, the buyer or the sellers were being were, were really really antsy. We had already extended the contract a month more than they would liked, so it was like three days before closing, it was do or die. It was you're either going to buy this in three days or we're going to cut loose. You're going to lose your earnest money, and we're gonna we're going to go to the next buyer. So we were in a big um, a big problem, and you know one of the courses of action that we had planned for really early in the project was what if the bank pulls out last minute? What would we do? So we had already kind of put together a plan um, to plan for if the bank pulled out. And that was, we were going to go raise the money ourselves in our own private network of investors. So we have equity investors and we also have debt investors. So equity investors, they own the asset. So they own, they're limited members of the LLC that own the park. And they share, and essentially, you know, in summary, the rise and the fall of the property. If the property does really well, they make good money. If the property doesn't do as well, they don't, they don't do as well either. So we actually have equity investors 
And then we have debt investors and the debt investors are like your own bank. So they uh, gave us the money on a loan and it's recorded on what's called a fractionalized deed of trust, which essentially gets recorded against the title. They get first lien position, just like a bank. They get paid every month, just like a bank. And we had already factored uh, and ran the numbers at high interest. So we were able to pay them 12.5% interest monthly and still do pay them monthly. Um, and we were able to secure a million dollars in less than 72 hours, you know, about three days or less. It was, I, I can't wow. remember the timeline was a little fuzzy, but you know, in one to three days, we essentially made, made some phone calls, put together the deed of trust, we coordinated with the title company on how to do it. And we raised a million dollars and we closed on the park. While I was going through this struggle, you know, I was just thinking about how much revenue and how much profit this park was making and the, the golden opportunity we had to really buy an asset that was completely distressed at a severe discount. Our broker actually, that was kind of, that referred us to the off market deal. He told us, he said, you know, we called them and we said, Hey, uh, we got some bad news. Um, the bank just pulled out, but we just raised a million dollars and we're going to close anyway. And the broker was just so impressed. And he said, listen, he's like, if, if that would have happened to me, I would have just froze and not reacted. And I would have just given up and been upset. But I just am so impressed that you guys could basically pull the rabbit out of the hat in you know the last couple of days. And um, now the park is actually operating at a 36% cap rate. So we are wow. overjoyed that, uh, <laughs> um, that we uh, took this park over. Um, you know, Jackie, who's our operations manager, she, she, you know, we, she turned over all the staff that was working there. Um, she hired two part-time managers. They're doing an excellent job and we've raised rents over $175 a month. And since we took over, cause the park was how, how not, much it did didn't you, have the amendment. Can you repeat that? How much, how much did you raise the, the rents for? The rents are, are up over $175 a month mm-hmm. across the board. Very nice. That's, that's not easy to do. It's Usually. not easy to do, but mm-hmm. the, the market was dictating that, but our park didn't have the amenities. So it was very, very challenging. We actually, we're in the middle of nowhere, Texas, right? So we had to run internet. So we had to, we had to install five internet towers throughout our 10 acre parcel to run internet. And if you ask anybody who's run an RV park or a mobile home park or any park that has internet like that on access points, they'll know it's really challenging to set up and actually execute. So, you know, we provided internet to all of our tenants. The other thing the tenants really wanted was laundry. They wanted a place, you know, they wanted to be able to do their laundry on site because things are really, really spread out in that area. So we actually provided, um, you know, we built a laundry room and and added, I don't know, eight to 10 or so, I can't remember the exact count, uh, washer and dryers. We painted the office, we painted the showering room, we put in all the emergency exit lights, we put in a pavilion, a playground, um, speed bumps, signage, a dog run area. We put in uh, 4,100 linear feet of uh, uh, split rail fencing to make the park look a lot better. And we, um, yeah, we raised the rents and, and now the park is operating at a, at I think 37 or 36% cap is the last time I looked at the books. So going back to investors, 
um, we made good on our word with them. We, um, our, our last two quarters, we distributed approximately 17% return. Uh, we projected our operational distributions to be about around 11%. Um, they also get shares from the disposition of the sale of the property. So we had, we had advertised about a 26.3% annualized cash on cash return. And that's going to be north of 30% now, uh, based on our, uh, based on our current operational uh, distributions and what we project we can sell the park for now that it's an uprighted asset. Um, RV parks trade between 8 to 12% cap rates. So we could go dispose of the asset um, and have a lot of equity um, in the park. The other thing that we've we found was that there's a severe shortage of propane sales in the area. And my business partner, Scott, is actually down in um, in the area at the park today, and we've got all of our uh, employees trained on how to uh, dispense propane. We got our license, and that should add a, approximately an extra hundred thousand dollars a year in NOI wow. to the property that we never even determined we would have. The other thing that we got approved for recently from the health department is we can add an additional fourteen RV spots, uh, which rent for roughly seven hundred dollars a month. So we can add another. Oh, I don't know, eighty thousand dollars of NOI when once those additional spots are back online. So another hundred and eighty thousand dollars of NOI per year that we didn't even really plan on having. Um, and we know we can fill because the park has about a sixty person wait list right now. So it's a absolute booming area. And so, you know, looking back on things, I, I just remember that first conversation with that first investor that I had and just I mean, I'm really happy that they trusted, you know, what we were presenting to them and they put faith in our team um, because now the, you know, the park is, is fully operational. Um, we're, we're getting to the end of our conclusions of our capital improvements that we planned and told our investors we were going to do. And we are operating way above what we projected. So very, very happy with this one. And, um, you know, it not only not only got over those those huge hurdles, I mean, everybody, nobody wants to get on the train when it's not moving, you know, but when the train right. is leaving the station, everybody wants to run and jump yeah, on it. That's real estate, you know, that, that's what real estate is all about. Absolutely. And, and just, you know, it, it's, if you have a vision and you have a plan and you can see the opportunities, you know, I mean, you, you drive by that area and you look at that park and you think, you know, oh, that's just some you know, RV park in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, it's amazing the opportunities that are in this market in the United States. To invest in real estate, I mean, just the simplest properties can sometimes be the best producing. Um, and and they don't have to be, a, you know, a, an amazing looking building or, a, you know, the most beautiful flip or whatever. It's Sometimes it's just, right. you know, bare bones, um, industrial grade, you know, uh, uh, you know, type of facility. And, and really, you know, there's two things that you got to look at. What's the demand? And if, if there's demand, can those people pay what you're offering for? Um, and, and that's kind of what we looked at was, you know, unemployment was, is, is hovering around 2%. And, you know, a lot of the energy workers, are permanent residents in the park, or or at least short term, um, you know, a more extended stay, and they make really good money, 
and they're down there to make really good money, um, you know, working for the energy companies. And that's kind of uh, been the, the theme of the Midland Odessa, Texas area, you know, for a long time. And actually Midland, I think is, was ranked in the number you know, top 25 housing markets in the last few reports that came out from USA Today. So that's kind of the kind of the long story. Long story short, I mean, it was uh, just just been a, an incredible opportunity, and you know, on a personal level, um, you know, it's allowed me to uh, es- escape my nine to five uh, more. It's it's flourished our company with paying higher salaries, um, paying covering our expenses. Um, it's really driven um, a lot of our operational day-to-day expenses and paid for them and covered them because, uh, you know, we're in development. I mean, we don't have big paydays. I'm sorry, we don't have consistent paydays. We have big paydays. So, you know, we're, you know, when we develop a condo building, you know, it could take two to two and a half years to see anything, you know, until the, you know, because it takes a while for permitting and planning mm-hmm. and building and selling and closing, right? So, um, you know, this is just one of our First cash flowing deals um, that we've done, and it's um, it's it's pretty it's a pretty good one. So interesting. And do you think you're going to keep investing in RV parks based on this experience? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's been a it's been a it's a great project, but it's um, it's just not what we're focused on. And I and I know that a lot of investors really like the, um, you know the the. Uh, the consistency of assets that people invest in, you know, they, they mm-hmm. want to invest with you because you invest in multifamily and that's what you do. That's your niche. You know it. Right. Um, and they kind of like that specialization, you know, to take a quote from Sam Zell, um, you know, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a professional opportunist, um, you know, and unfortunately <laughs> we keep doing that. I mean, we, we keep finding opportunistic type of, opportunities where we're turning around poor performing businesses or adding an operational element to the business that they didn't have before and operating things better to drive returns. And we're getting good at that um, and kind of getting experience with that. So when I say, you know, would would we ever buy an RV park ever again? I mean, yeah, I would tell you absolutely not. But that's exactly what I said when um, Ben found the project. My response was no way no interest. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's the right opportunity presents itself and we can, you know, we can, uh, you know, we can see through the vision and, you know, in my mind, we didn't really buy an RV park. You know, we bought real estate in a market that has a lot of demand Mm -hmm. and that's kind of my, the way we look at opportunities, you know, running the asset, you know, we directly manage it. Um, you know, it's just like anything. I mean, actually, it's easier than, you know, and from Jackie's perspective, it's easier than running a hotel. I mean, you have no maid staff, you have no housekeeping, you have no breakfast to put out in the morning, you've got a lot less employees, and um, you have a lot less maintenance. I mean, you just have, you know, they, they provide their own RV. Um, you know, we're providing them with power, water, and sewer. And most of that is pretty hands-off. And we have a, we upgraded the electrical throughout the park, and we've, done some improvements there with the water taps just to make, you know, we put, you know, anti-leaking prevention, uh, you know, faucets on them and things like that. But those are just all capital improvement things that aren't recurring. You know, we don't have, you know, we have 102 units, but we don't have 102 
water heaters, countertops, appliances, dishwashers, um, you know, and all the other mechanicals that go into an apartment building. So in a way, it's it's a, a lot less risk when it comes to capital improvements or capital expenditures below the line. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I, I want to go back to that point, um, your point about the the need or the desire of, of passive investors to invest with syndicators that specialize in a certain type of real estate. And basically, if I hear if I heard you correctly, your message is allow syndicators to bring you investments that can be great opportunities because it just happened to be in, you know, in in that market and they they stumbled upon a great and amazing opportunity. So even if it's not their core business, you know, give them the chance and and be open-minded, just like what happened with your story that you actually managed to convince them to invest with you. And it turned out to be a great investment, even if that was, you know, it was a very, very different uh, investment than all the other investments that you've been doing. Absolutely. And just one tweak, one minor, Mm -hmm. but very major tweak to your statement. And someone could bring me the best opportunity in the world right? It could be, oh my God, there's this RV park and it's spitting off all kinds of money. But you have to invest in the team first. So if somebody brings you this amazing deal, um, the first thing, I don't even care about the return. I don't even, I don't want to look at the return. I don't care about the numbers. I care about the person's motivation um, that is operating the deal. If you're investing in people and, and then you're looking at their team and their ability to execute what they're presenting to you. I mean, we're operating this park 1,600 miles away from Seattle and from Denver for a larger extent. So if I was looking at this opportunity with Spartan Investment Group, I would say, how are you going to operate this thing and what's your plan? And if I wasn't convinced of that, I wouldn't do the deal. I I wouldn't care if you told me I was going to get 100% return. But absolutely, if you know a good team and you know that they have that talent and that ability to do these types of things and they have a proven track record of doing it, absolutely. I would give it a chance. Um, you know, at least look it over and, you know, look at the offering memorandum, you know, watch the webinar, participate, ask questions, um, you know, really understand what you're doing. And, um, and, you know, I guess for a larger extent, I mean, we've, our track record is performing, on purchasing, you know, opportunistic, more opportunistic type of projects. Now we do have, you know, stable assets that we purchase. Uh, we just bought a self storage that, you know, was 100% occupied when we bought it. Had cash flow from day one, very very stable. But it also had a, you know, a, a development component to it where we could add on about 10,000 square feet. So there's, you know, there's, um, yeah. To answer your question, absolutely, give them a chance, but always make sure that their team is is you know, understand who's on the team, who's operating it, who's going down there, who's doing the maintenance, who's coordinating all the CapEx. I want to know who those people are. Um, and, and sort of that they have the actual plan and process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree more. Um, great. Well, thank you for sharing the story with us, Ryan. That was a very interesting story. And I think just not not freaking out during you know three days before the close <laughs> before the closing was was uh, a great thing that you managed to do. I think most people would probably, you know, like the broker said, freeze or or give up. Um, and I think being in that in the right state of mind 
was was crucial. And um, you know, thank you for sharing that. That was that was a really really good story. Um, so now, Ryan, we, we're um, moving to the last part of the show. I'm going to ask you the question that I'm asking all my guests, which is, what would you tell your 20 year old self? <laughs> Buy real estate? No, I'm sure everybody <laughs> says that. No, I mean, I, I think, I, you know, there's not a moment that goes by that I don't regret an experience that I don't have that I don't regret because it all gets you to where you are today, right? So, I mean, I think, you know, when I was 20 years old, I was working really hard and I was, you know, working multiple jobs. I've always worked multiple jobs and I've had, you know, multiple, um, you know, I've always been, you know, I mean, since nine years old, I was pushing a lawnmower around the neighborhood, cutting people's lawns and shoveling their driveways in the wintertime. So, um, you know, I was always working hard, but I didn't have the business sense. I didn't have the, um, the savvy to say, hey, instead of cutting all the lawns, you know, continue knocking on the doors and, and getting the business from the neighbors and then go find somebody else to cut those lawns for you and focus on building your business. And that would be my number one thing is just to get more into the business mindset, something that I didn't probably learn until maybe four years ago um, because it's really powerful what you can do with people and a team. And that's, that would be my message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ryan, where can people find you? So our website is spartan-investors.com. And then my email is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at spartan-investors.com. All right, great. Well, thank you again, Ryan, for being on the show and sharing your uh, amazing experience with us. You know, I think it's a... It's an insightful uh, story filled with with um, a lot of you know insights and things that actually, I think actually both syndicators and passive investors can learn from. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess um, I guess we're we're we arrived to the end of our show. Um, so I think I, I really enjoy talking with you and uh, hearing about your experience. And I hope you have a good one. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Wow, what an amazing story. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to my podcast. You can find the podcast show notes on my website, www.ellieperlman.com. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast on iTunes so you can stay up to date with all the the fascinating stories that I have here on the show. Um, In addition, please take a minute to rate the podcast, give it uh, a review, and that can really help us keep going. On the next episode, we're going to hear from Marco Centarelli, and he has a really interesting story about how he started to get into real estate with one simple email, one random email. He's not even sure how this email got to him. And that email started a chain of uh, a reaction, a chain of events that led him to become an investor. Um, And he's also helping passive investors make their investment so stay tuned to our next episode
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.